Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Father, we just thank you tonight for your word. We thank you, Father, that the word has preeminence in our lives. The Word is the most important thing in our lives. The Word is the thing that sets a standard for our lives, that is the guidepost for our lives, that is the thing that keeps us on the path that we need to be on. The Word will keep us centered. The Word will keep us safe. The Word will keep us in a place, Father God, where the blessings flow to the degree that you intend for them to flow. And so tonight, Father God, we do not take exception to the word, but we receive the word as you meant it to be, life. It is life to us. In every part of our lives, it is life to us. It brings us gladness. It brings us joy. It brings us blessing. It brings us stability. It brings us purpose. It brings us everything that we need. And so tonight, Father, we look into the word to see what you have to say. And we receive that word as it is, the very word of God. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Listen, once you're born again, you have been placed into a body, the body of Christ. And just like Pastor just got through saying, some of the body of heaven is already in heaven. Some of the body is here on the the earth. But specifically for you and me, the body we're talking about is the local body that Christ has joined us to. That is where we see the Word of God played out, fulfilled, enacted, um, just, just endeavor. We endeavor to move within that framework of a local body. It's to be a reflection of what the bigger body is all about. This is where we learn. This is where we put into practice. This is, this is where we come together and we, and we just make the most of the life that we live in him. And so, you know, in the history of the early church, and I'm going to give you a lot of scripture references. You don't have to, you know, turn there. You know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to run through these things. Um, Acts 1-4 talks about the fact they were being assembled together. Acts 1-6, when they were therefore come together, Acts 2.44 says, and all that believed were together. Acts 4.31 says, where they were assembled together. Acts 14.27, this talks about having gathered the church together. You know, you, you can always go back to that scripture that says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Because in the book of Acts, you see how it was played out. You see how important it was. You see how vital it was for them as believers to be together. And we've seen it in the 2020, how necessary and how important it was for us to be assembled together in one place. We may have had to alter how we did things. We may have altered how we had to, had to get together time-wise or when we were outside or when we were inside, when we were praying between the buildings, you know, when the youth were having their services between the buildings. But it was important that we were together. I mean, we're all hungry for fellowship still. That's why, you know, 
it, it just kind of breaks my heart that we've had to we have had to, had to dismiss you know events and 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 that aspect of being together because fellowshipping together is part and parcel of our lives, not just coming and sitting in a service together, but finding ourselves in a place where we're just in each other's company, enjoying one another, feeding off of one another, loving on one another, sharing with one another, believing with one another, standing with one another. It's important that we're together. And the enemy would like to see that change. He would like to see that as us being scattered. And he's done a fairly effective job of that in a lot of places. Not everybody has the opportunity. Like the Cools, for instance, they absolutely, by law, cannot gather together. And they found a way. And because they, you know, they, they can do Zoom and they got the people on Zoom with them, that's not, that's not what we wanted to do. That's not how we were led to do it. But because of the situation they, they're in, there's grace on their body to come together in a Zoom meeting. But still, even at that, there's so much that they miss out on. Can you imagine the Holy Ghost trying to move on Zoom? I mean, I know he can to a certain, to a certain degree. I mean, I know he can. But, but here's, here's the thing. Can people, somebody lay hands on you in a Zoom meeting? Can somebody lay hands on you on just an online service? Thankfully, I, I, you know, for me at least, if you've got your whole church on Zoom and you're having a meeting, the word of the Lord can come. You know, there could be tongues, interpretation, prophecy, you know, a word of knowledge come forth. But you're still missing out on that, on that hands-on approach. You're still missing out on somebody being able to take a lap around the church and, and grabbing somebody and running with them. And you'd miss out on, on, on pastor calling you forth and saying, I just want to bless you and putting his hands on you. There's, there's something, you know, that, that's still missing. But when there's, that's all you can do, there's a grace there. How many churches have lost out on the opportunities that they could have had because they settled for something less? You know, and you know, you just in, in places where you, you don't have any choice that's, diff, that's different, you know, and, and God will bless it just the best he, he can, you know, through that with, you know, just the things that are happening. But thank God we were together. It wasn't enough, but we were together. You know, it seems to me that all those Sundays that we met in the parking lot had a different feel to them because it was important enough for us to come at 9 o'clock through rain or shine, no matter what, whether it was cloudy, whether it was sunny, no, no matter what. I mean, there, there was an anointing on us for that particular time. But I'm telling you what, being together is vital. I wish people understood it's not just, well, you just want us to come to church because you're the pastors, or you just want us to come to church because you want to count numbers, or you just want us to come to church because you're afraid you might miss out on an offering. We just want to, you know, there's all these, these craziness that people say that you only do, it's because they just don't want to. Don't use your don't want to and try to use me as an excuse of why you don't want to. To justify your don't want to. That's not, no, when the Bible clearly says, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Don't come at me and tell me what the Bible says about other things when you can't even obey the basics. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. You know, 
But sometimes you got to have a little soapbox. I'm having one here at the moment. Okay, got that. But you know, it's important. It's, it's not, it's just not that you can just fill up a building. It's not because somebody wants to count some numbers. It just, it's not because, you know, we want to make Pastor feel good. He's got a crowd to preach to. He's preached to a lot fewer people than this. You know, I remember, I remember the early, early days. You know, there was 10 people. He preached just as well to them as he does to 200 or, or to, you know, live stream or anything else. That's not the point. The benefit is in, in being together is the benefit for all of us. There are benefits in that. You know, not just obeying what the word says, but God said there are benefits in that. Um, the Pauline revelation is full of the concept of being together. Absolutely full of it. Um, the Pauline revelation, Romans 6, 5, we've been planted together. Romans eight seventeen, we may also be glorified together. 1 Corinthians 1, 10, we're perfectly joined together. 1 Corinthians 3, 9, we are laborers together. 1 Corinthians 12, 24, God hath tempered the body together. 1 Corinthians 14, 23, the whole church become together. Wouldn't it be nice if the whole church showed up at one time? When somebody says, how many, do you, how many does your church run? Well, let's see, if you got them all together in one place at one time, it'd be this many, but about this many shows up on an average Sunday. You know, wouldn't it be nice if we get the whole church together? You know what I find out when the whole church comes together usually? When, when there's a big, you know, party going on. It's amazing how many people show up at the Christmas fellowship that I don't see in church. They'll come to the, they'll come to the Christmas party for all the food and, and the fun, but they can't bother to come to church. And I'm going, really? Really? I should be standing at the door going, no, 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 no. You couldn't come, you couldn't come to church the last three months. Now's not the time. But I have hopes. You know, maybe if they come and they, get, and they get involved in some fellowship, maybe they'll, you know, get their act together and be back where they need to be fed a different way. But anyway, let me go on. Get me off that soapbox here, folks. 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, When you come together, 2 Corinthians 1, 11 says, Helping together by prayer. Mm-hmm. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 says, we are workers together with him. Ephesians 2, 5 says, we are quick, he's quickened us together. Ephesians 2, 21 says, we're fitly framed together. Ephesians 2, 22 says, we're builded together for a habitation. Ephesians 4, 16 says, the whole body fitly joined together. Philippians 1.27 says, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Colossians 2.2 says, being knit together in love. Colossians 2.13 says, quickened together with him. Not quickened individually, which we are, but quickened together with him. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.19 says, we're knit together. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, comfort yourselves together. 2 Thessalonians 2.1 says, by our gathering together. And of course, Hebrews 10.25 says, talks about the assembling of yourselves 
together. If you just look at what Paul wrote about, he looked at us as a body, individuals who make up the body of Christ. And the only way a body functions properly is when all the parts are together. Can we learn to live without certain parts? Yeah, we can, you can learn to live without certain parts. I, I saw a commercial this morning for Wounded Warriors, you know, and they were having all these, these different people talk about how Wounded Warriors had been such a great help to them. And, all, and some were missing legs and arms and all kinds of different things. They've learned to function. But wouldn't it, have been, wouldn't it be nice if all their body parts were together? See, many churches, we, as churches, we learn to function without the parts that should be here. We learn to adapt. We learn to go on. We learn to work it out. We learn to accomplish the mission as best we can in spite of the fact there are parts of the body missing. I honestly can't say when somebody who's supposed to be here leaves, if, that, if anybody ever actually fills the spot and the role that they have in the, this local body in exactly the way God intended because he intended for that person who left to fill that spot. And because each individual person is so unique, just like God gave us all individual fingerprints that, that, that you can tell who I am from who you are, God assigns things to individuals in a body that he places them in. And nobody will ever be able to fill that role like you can. Because that's where he intended for you to be. So, so really, we learn to function without it. But wouldn't it be better if everybody stayed put where they belonged? And did what God warned them to do. Being a part of the body God had assigned them to. It's not up to you to assign yourself. It's up to God to assign. He has set you in the church. He has set you in the body. You know, I've I've said before, you know, that you got two churches that are very, very similar. You know, maybe one church is more your personality than the other. I mean, you know, I, I recall Pastor George over in Chiefland. What a wild man he was. But his personality isn't for everybody. But I don't know. I think God knows the personality of the pastor that he's assigning you to, that it's still a good place for you. He knows what your personality is there. Some people might think we're awful dull. Well, you know, so be it. You're just in a dull place. You know, we're not, we're not Pastor George. I'm not here to enter, entertain you know, Pastor Greg, maybe. He, maybe he, he, he entertains. You know, I told that boy a long time ago when he was a teenager, I said, son, you need, to, you need to form yourself a little comedy routine, go out and make some money, support me in my old age. He, he did not listen. <laughs> but we are members of one another. That's Romans 12, verses 4 and 5. 1 Corinthians talks about, in, ver- in, in chapter 12, that we're one body when we're members in particular. God recognizes us as individual members that make up the whole. 
Don't think you get lost in the crowd. You don't. To God, you stand out in the crowd. He sees you. He recognizes you. He knows you. He appreciates you. He values you as members in particular. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, By one spirit we are all baptized into one body. And Ephesians 4, 25 is weird. It says we are members one of another. You know, we had communion on Sunday morning. And uh, the passage pastor always reads for communion over in, in the 11th chapter of 1 Corinthians. It talks about not discerning the Lord's body. Well, there's two applications of that. You know, it can be, it can be applied that you didn't discern the fact that, God, that, that Jesus' body was broken and he shed his blood for our salvation and our healing. But it can also mean that we don't value one another like we should. Not discerning the Lord's body. See, I can't look at you and say you're something other than part of me because you're part of the Lord's body. And as being part of the Lord's body, you're just as valuable as I am. And because we've been talking about um, forgiveness in the last couple of weeks, we didn't last week. Last week was a fantastic testimony service, by the way. Absolutely awesome. And I hate that we didn't have time to get to everybody. But... You know, in in reflecting on that, and I felt like I I did those two services on forgiveness at the direction of the Lord. In reflecting on that today, I have to go back, and this would apply to other relationship issues. You have to assign value to the relationships that you have with others in the body of Christ. You have to assign value. You have to, you have to, Put yourself in a place where you see the value of somebody else to you. When we all do that, then we place a high value on one another. And when we do that and the enemy tries to come in and cause any kind of strife or any kind of division, because we have placed value on one another, then we will do and be willing to do whatever it takes to keep that relationship sound, safe, and whole. It's worth it for you to just dismiss me because I offended you somehow means that you never valued the relationship you had with me to start with. Can I say that again? For you to get offended with me and just dismiss me and leave to, and to, to cut off fellowship with me means you never really valued me. That is, if you got that concept right there, that would solve a lot of strife issues. I have, in the past years, gotten into something with somebody, whether who was right, who was wrong, didn't matter. But I quickly came to the conclusion and voiced it in an email, in a card, or in person. Listen, the disagreement that we have with each other is not worth letting the enemy cause division between you and me. And we should be able to put 
aside any differences of opinion on whatever the subject is. Any differences of opinion about how I said something, what tone I said it in, you know, don't assign tone, don't assign motive. You know, we, we should be so conscious of the value this relationship holds that I am not willing to let anything come between us. Where is that, Pastor? Real quick, I, I, I can't think. Neither height nor depth nor breadth. What is that? Can separate us from the love of God? That's, uh, come on, somebody. Romans? Come on, somebody. Oh, yeah, Romans 8. You're right, Pastor. Romans 8, 38. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, or things present, or things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, well, nothing's going to separate me from the love of God. Listen, you, when the love of God has to do with your brother and sister. It's all part and parcel of the same thing. If you're going to look at this verse and you're going to read, nothing can separate from the, from the love of God, but I got something against you because you talk nasty to me. You have separated yourself from the love of God. You have just, I mean, it sounds so lofty. Oh, such a high ideal. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. But because you don't agree with me on something, we're not talking. Uh-uh. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. You need to go add, come in here and add some of your own stuff in this scripture. Neither uh, antsiness, nor pressure, nor political views, or anything else is going to separate me, separate me from the love of my brother and sister. Because by doing that, I separate myself from the love of God. Ooh, I'm going places I didn't intend to go. That's okay. That's okay. You know, Matthew twelve twenty five has a corresponding verse in, in Mark 3 and in Luke 11. says that uh, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Let me tell you, this is going to be the year where we stand our ground together as a body. Because what the enemy couldn't do last year, he'll take a new approach this year. And as I'm just standing here talking about this, I, I began to sense the fact that, that those, those couple, of, couple of weeks on, on forgiveness has to do with 2021. Not just in the church, but possibly in your homes, in your households, in your job, in relationships of every kind. But primarily, I'm talking about your church family tonight because that's what we are. We are family. And we must put a value that is so high on one another that nothing else is worth damaging it for. Nothing. You can be a damager or you can be a damage e. It's up to you to decide. 
If you're the damagee, then you just have to get over it. You have to choose to get over it. You have to choose to let it go. You just have to choose to let it fall off you like water off a duck's back. You have to choose. A house divided cannot stand. Hmm. Because James 3 says where there's strife. In fact, I pulled out my, my notes from a couple of weeks ago. And... James 3.16 says, where there is strife, there is confusion, unrest, disorder, disharmony, and every evil work. Well, I just, I'm just, you know, I just got my feelings hurt with somebody. That's called strife. Strife doesn't come in varying degrees. No more than pregnancy comes in varying degrees. You either are or you aren't. It's just more obvious at certain stages than at others. And so some people just seem to think, well, just I'm just going to keep it to myself, but I'm not going to forgive them. Even when the Holy Ghost is telling you, you need to, you need to get rid of that. Just because nobody else sees it yet doesn't mean it's not strife. When you go around blowing your top at somebody else, then it's obvious to everybody else. But, you know, we have to deal with it in the form that it's in. It's called strife. And where there is strife, there is unrest, disorder, disharmony, and every evil work. That little bit of strife can open the door to so much worse. Is it worth it? Ask yourself, is this Worth it when you have a tendency or a temptation to be upset with somebody. Well, I just need to tell somebody. No, you don't. You need to go tell it to the, to the Father and say, Lord, help me. You need to have a con- conversation with the Holy Ghost and say, the Bible says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can forgive them. I can let it go. I can dismiss it. I can count it as nothing. That love chapter sounds so good to you, you have to put it in practice. Oh, that love chapter sounds so good when you're intended for somebody else to follow those guidelines. Listen, those guidelines are for you. They're not for the other guy. They're for you. You're not here to say, okay, this is what you should be doing. No, this is what i supposed to be doing. Go look at the guy in the mirror and say, let me have a chat with you. This is what you're supposed to be doing. And this is what you're going to do. This is when you take your emotions, your flesh under control and say, you will come in line with the word of God. Because I place too high a value on my relationship with that person than to let the enemy come. And that's what it is. It's the enemy. Your brothers and sisters love you and you love them. But because they got flesh and I got flesh, you know, we tend to to want to, to let those kind of things kind of stew on the inside of us. No, you don't have to do that. You can choose not to do that. Hallelujah. Because we need each other. We're not complete without each other. Ephesians talks about the whole body fitly joined together. Joined together. You know, I, we've, got, we've got 
We've got parts. It says every joint supplies something. There are connections between us that, that put us all together. Just like your body's got joints and ligaments and sinews and, and your knee bone's connected to your thigh bone and your thigh bone's connected to your hip bone. and you, We're all connected. Listen, think about this. Is there any part of your body, and I got this from Morgan from her Sunday message, is there any part of your body that operates independently of another part? Think of one. What part operates just all by itself? Now, I like the illustration she gave. She said, what about your hair? For your hair to look good, can it just, it just, it's just good? <laughs> Not in my house. <laughs> it needs some help. It needs my hands. It needs my eyes. You know, I can't believe Pastor let me get in the pulpit a couple weeks ago. He says, you had this thing sticking out all during the service. I said, why don't you tell me? Because I didn't see it. You were up there. I'm going, I can use some, see, I could have used his help, but that member of the body didn't help me that night. <laughs> but there is no part of your body that operates independently of another. Your, your, your finger doesn't operate independently. Nothing operates it. You need another part for you to be able to do what you're supposed to do. Hallelujah. Colossians 2.19 says this, from which all the body by joints and bands having nourishment ministered and knit together increases with the increase of God. Now the Weymouth translation of that is from whom the whole body in all its parts nourished and strengthened by its points of contact and its connections. The Williams translation then goes on and says, grows with a growth that God produces. Listen, we, we need each other. There are times in our lives when we won't survive without each other. There are times when we may find ourselves in a place where, where we just, we, we're, we're just kind of, let me, how do I want to say that? We need some help. You know, we're standing, we're doing everything we can, but we, we need some assistance. You know, the guy who goes into the gym and he's lifting weights, he's got a spotter, you know, with him. It's, it's foolish for him not to have one if he's lifting some heavy weights overhead. He could get himself killed. And so that's why you have a spotter. Listen, we are the spotter for one another in a lot of situations in our lives. We have to be there to, to help somebody else. When, when they're struggling and they're, and they're doing all they can to keep their hands up where they belong, they just need somebody to come along. Maybe it's a word of encouragement. Maybe it's prayer. Maybe it's a financial assistance. Whatever it is, that's, we take the place of that spot or we won't survive without the help of one another. You know, I always go back, I always go back to, the, to the guy over in Matthew 2, the guy who's the paralytic on the couch. He had never gotten healed without the assistance of four very crazy friends. I don't know whose idea that was to take this man on a bed up on a roof and tear a roof up and lower him down. I'm not sure which is scarier, going up the roof or getting let down through the roof. Because I suspect they didn't have exactly straps, you know, to keep him stabilized. You know, you have to, you have to really understand you've got some good friends if you think, oh, you're going to let me down through the roof. I'm already paralyzed. You're trying to kill me now? I mean, come on. 
I mean, what, what, what's, what's going on here? But we need each other. The man walked out of there that day all because four friends helped him get where he needed to go. You and I will need help sometimes to get where we need to go. If the enemy's on our back and he's, and he's, and he's succeeding at, 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 at getting us to, to go off course, we need somebody to come along and help us so that we go where we need to go. Hallelujah. We have to look out for one another. First Peter talks about being sober and vi- being vigilant. Listen, it's not just for ourselves, but it's for one another. I had in my old notes, we have to have a herd mentality. Keep the herd together. The one who straggles off from the herd is the one that the enemy goes after first. That's the one he's after. Because when that one doesn't recognize that he needs to stay with the rest of the body. And you know, after after the year that we've had now, I want to call that herd immunity as well. You know, you and I can maintain some herd immunity as long as we stay together and we keep feeding off of one another. You know, and we, and we exchange, you know, like the nurses around here tell me all the time, we need each other for the bacteria. The bacteria that we share with one another keeps us healthy. Listen, the spiritual bacteria you share with one another keeps you healthy. It's the truth. It, it immunizes you against the attack of the enemy. It immunizes you against the attacks that he brings up and the stupid things that he gets people to believe. It helps you not take that. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Let me see. You know, I'm... I'm uh, I'm thinking of each other, of just the fact that, you know, you go out, you go out in the nighttime, like out where we live, except for my neighbor that lives behind me who has to have two floodlights on every single night, all night long. We live in a very dark place when it's a, when it's a new moon. I mean, it is dark out there. I'll go out walking sometimes before, before sun up, you know, maybe six o'clock in the morning. I mean, it is dark out there. And, and you look up and you see all these stars. Well, we all recognize the fact that those stars that we see out way out there are actually solar systems and galaxies. They're all, and all you see is one star, and yet that one star is made up of millions and millions of individual planets. Listen, God looks at us as all one body here, but it's made up of individuals who need to be shining brightly every single day, need to be shining for each other, who need to be here to help each other, who need to make sure that, we, that we're together. Hebrews 3.13 talks about exhorting one another daily and encouraging one another. Uh, 16 times in the New Testament, it talks about exhorting one another. So we're here to help and to aid, to assist each other, we're also here because we have been assigned a specific job. And the job doesn't get done with just one or two people. The job gets done. The assignment that we've been given only gets done when we do it together. And that means looking out for one another. That means dwelling with one another. That means valuing one another. That means loving one another. That means forgiving one another. That means just doing our part every single day. 
And it's all because we have to be together. You just don't think of, you know, oh, well, that's the church I go to. No, you have to think of it as my church. Too often, you know, I get to talk about talking to people and, and sometimes people who've been here for years and I've heard them say, well, you know, your church. I'm going, say what? Your church? Or the church? What? And I'm going, no, how about my church? You need to take ownership of the body that you belong to. And if you don't feel like you belong, then you better go find out where you do belong or find out why you don't feel like you belong. Sometimes you don't feel like you belong because you haven't made yourself available to be a part. Hmm. Well, nobody's nice to me. Nobody's friendly to me. How friendly have you been? Well, nobody comes to my aid. Nobody, nobody helps me. How, how many people have you helped? There's a sowing and a reaping here. You can't have, have it all just about you. When there are opportunities to be a blessing, take the opportunity to be a blessing. When you know somebody's in need, don't go tell somebody else what that person's need is. You do. How many times over the years have I had people come to me and say, so-and-so's family or so-and-so this person's having a problem with this or, or that or the other and maybe the church could do something and I just look at them going, if that's on your heart that they need help, then you help them. And honestly, I can say we've had this conversation with, with an old friend of ours who stopped by recently and I said, it has been amazing to me the numbers of people who have been, who've been conscious and aware of the needs of others in the church this year and have met those needs without anybody saying anything to them except the Holy Ghost putting it on their heart. And that's the way it's supposed to work. Well, nobody's done that for me. What have you done for someone else? If you want to be a part, then you be a part. Don't wait for somebody else to make you a part. You make yourself a part. That's the only way you're going to become a part. Don't stand on the outside looking in going, I wish I was in that group. You are in that group. You are in that group. You're in this church, in this body, and Here's the deal, folks. Where we go, we go together. What we do, we do together. The ground that we take, we take it together. The authority that we exercise, we exercise it together. The prayers that avail much, we pray together. As a body. As a body. Hallelujah. Well, I think I'm done. Hallelujah. But before I get through, let me just read something to you that um, I won't even say who wrote this, but it's somebody in this body. And it's not necessarily combined with what I have to say tonight, but I think it's too good not to read it to you. Um, This person wrote this, and it's a little lengthy, but it won't take just a minute for me to read this. It's a new day, a start of the beginning of the return. So shall it be as God's children stand up and remain in their place of authority and their place of prayer 
and in union with God and in consecration and dedication. It is then that God will pour out his spirit upon all flesh, and it is then that we will see signs and wonders and miracles in the earth, but only as God's children remain in him. The events of the world to this point have been a direct result of the state of the church, but it doesn't mean it has to stay that way. For when God's children who are called by his name take their place and their authority in the earth and stand up and walk in the fullness and remain in God, it is then that we will see things to come See things come to pass in this world, in this nation, and in our lives. Remember what the enemy meant for harm and for the destruction of the church, God has turned around. God has turned around things for those who are called by his name, for those that seek him, for those that consecrate and dedicate themselves to him. Those are the ones that shall see him. The enemy did try to silence the church in 2020, but that meant what, but what that meant for God's children, for those that are called by his name, it made them cry out all the more. It made them praise God all the more. It made them press in all the more, not in fear, but in confidence. What the enemy forgot, and I love this, and always forgets about is the faithfulness of God. The enemy forgets that God's children have countless examples in their lives to look back on to see the faithfulness of God. And so because of that, we will not stagger the promises of God through unbelief. We will not stagger and consider circumstances around us, but we will grow strong in faith by giving glory to God, knowing that what he who promised is faithful. We will remain in prayer for our nation because the nation needs us. We do not lose heart, but we are encouraged and strengthened all the more because light always overcomes darkness and because we know how the story ends. Isn't that wonderful? Listen, the way we accomplish that is by staying mindful of the fact that we're in this together. Place such a high value on your church relationships on your family relationships, that you're willing to do whatever it takes to maintain those relationships so that we can get the job done that God has called us to do. Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.